0: welcome back to the montgomery companies podcast i'm your host jordan montgomery and today i have a special guest that is dominating in so many areas of life this guy is a family man he's a man of faith he's a speaker he writes he leads a huge organization he has boundless energy this guy's energy is infectious he is a positive force for good that's affecting so many people in a really significant way. We recently got connected through my friend, Tyler Dickerhoof, so I want to give Tyler a shout out. Tyler, thanks for allowing this conversation to be possible. And with that, I want to welcome my new friend, Simon Arias, to today's show. Simon, thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me, Jordan. I appreciate it. Looking forward to spending some time.
0: Well, we're going to dive right into what everybody sees on the outside, and then we're going to talk about the inside, because I know that you're a man of purpose that lives on great mission, and we're going to talk about faith and family. But before we go there, if you were to look Simon Arius up on Instagram or any social media channel, what you're going to see is this guy that's like hopping around with people, getting people hyped, throwing fist pounds. You have big energy. You have a team that gets together, literally, I don't know, it's dozens and dozens of people, and you just light them up, like consistently. And so, number one, I, I want to know a little bit about your team. I want to know why you do that how you do that, because you've built a first class culture. And that's very obvious to anyone who looks at your content for more than 10 seconds.
1: So, you know, the, the culture really was, was based, the vision was uh, building a, a, a winning team atmosphere. So my only real experience um, coming into this business was sports. You know, I played high school football and, and college football and, and had the opportunity to be a captain. And so I I didn't have a ton of business experience, but I had experience on on leading people, building teams. And and, uh, you know, I learned how to win and and how to win was building uh, off of each other's strengths and bringing people together. You know, the teams that win championships are the teams that love each other and and operate as one and operate as a family. And so all I tried to do was was uh, build a locker room and build a team and build a family. Uh, and that was the mission and the vision of everything. So we've, we've attracted, uh, a lot of athletes, you know, and, and, you know, I've made mistakes personally and tried to grow from them. So I've been in the business now for coming up on, on 16 years. And so the picture we see today, you know, is, is not the picture, you know, that it was in, in my first year, second year, the vision, you know, was there, you know, but we're always growing in, in a work in progress. You know, it's almost, you know, I look back on things and people will pop up videos of me talking or speaking or uh, something from 15 years ago to my team. And while I, you know, I cherish those moments and and they give me feelings of, of joy to be in that moment and looking at how bad I looked, you know, the clothes that I was wearing, you know, I'm like, why would somebody not pull me to the side and just say, you know, <laughs> Simon, we love you, but we really got to get you to switch up your, your outfits, you know, your pants don't fit you and your suits don't fit you. And and, uh, you know, so that you know, somebody told me my, my son got baptized recently and he had on all white and, and he's a young child and with a hat. And, and they said, man, that looks like your first outfit you wore to the company convention. And, uh, you know, I, I looked like I was getting baptized, you know, that day. So, you know, it's a, it's been a work in progress, you know, we've, we've made mistakes and, and grown from it over the years, but, uh, you know, we've basically built a team in a, in a locker room has, has been the, the, the motto.
0: Well, I love it. Again, I just, the word, one of the words that I would use to describe you is energy. You know, that's the, that's the word that hits me. You know, when I look at your content and when I uh, just connect with, with who you are Um, I want you to take us back to the beginning. So obviously you're an, you're an athlete. You had a ton of ambition. uh, Very obvious when you, when you talk to you that you're intense and there's been a thread of discipline throughout your life. We have some emerging leaders who are listening to today's show. Uh, today you've been very financially successful. You're incredibly well connected. You're connected to some of the biggest names, biggest brands. But take us back to when you were getting started. Like, who who is Simon Arias, you know, in, in his early 20s, mid-20s? Like, take us back to that guy.
1: Yeah, Simon Arias in his early 20s is a, is a walk-on, you know, staying in the spirit of of uh, sports. You know, the, the, anybody that understands and knows, you know, sports, college sports, you know, being a walk on means you you didn't get a scholarship. You know, you're probably not the first person that the coach is going to look at uh, to expect to, you know, be a starter, take the team to the title. And, uh, you know, that's kind of was was my upbringing. You know, I was always a, a walk on, you know, I was uh, coming in, I played at a, a powerhouse high school football program, you know, still in the playoffs right now, Youngstown, Ursland. Uh, we won a state championship my senior year. And, uh, man, when I went to school there, I had my own family members telling me, you know, you shouldn't go there. You're never going to play there. And, uh, you know, I, I found that through hard work and and not quitting and being coachable, you know, what you can do over the course of time. And, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to have some success there, uh, which earned me the the, the right or, or uh, the luck to, to play in college. Uh, so I played a Division II school. Uh, Mercyhurst uh, University in in Pennsylvania, Erie, Pennsylvania, and um, got redshirted my first year and started the next four years at strong safety. And I was, you know, last on the depth chart. I did get a scholarship, but it was, you know, I was I was definitely not supposed to be starting uh, as quick as I did. And that was through hard work, dedication, you know, commitment, and, and playing with a chip on my shoulder because I was smaller than everybody else. Five foot seven, hundred eighty-five pounds, and uh, so when I came out into business, I just kept the same momentum and the same approach. Of, you know, I, I was a walk-on. You know, I started out in business; nobody knew me. I didn't have a friend to put their arm around me in the business. I was an hour and a half away from my home; didn't have any friends, but I knew how to work. So I'm going to just show up and and do the work. Uh, I'm going to outwork everybody. That's a controllable. I'm going to show up with a positive attitude. That's a controllable. I'm going to be more coachable than everybody else and be the best student in the room. Always, that's, that's a controllable. And by controlling the controllables, um, I was able to surprise myself on, on what was able to, to happen from there, you know, both uh, from, from a promotion standpoint, uh, standpoint, getting promoted, moving up the chain, and also financially, you know, I made more money in the first year in business than I ever expected to make in my entire life. And that, that's a combination of, of, uh, something big happening, but also I thought really small, you know, I was around people that thought small. I come from a, a, a blue collar background, a blue collar area where, you know, if somebody made a hundred thousand dollars, that was like the rich person that I, that, that I knew, you know, I didn't really know anybody that made big money, you know, that was young. So my thinking was, was really small. And so that was really the, the, the startup to it all. And, and as I had more success, in the first few years, you know, the more success that I would have, uh, the, the more in a good way, the more scared that I became, you know, I, I felt that I didn't want to lose it. I didn't want to go back. And so that's the whole, you know, I I don't want to shove faith down anybody's throat. And I also don't want to be a, you know, a, a hypocrite, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, every once in a while I'll get fired up and, you know, swear, you know, I have a beer or a glass of wine or something and, um, you know, I don't really listen to too much, you know, music I used to listen to back in the day, but once in a while, you know, I hit the weights and put on some rap music. So I just want to be transparent, you know, with everybody, but, you know, in my, in my walk early in, in business, I, you know, I started to grow in my faith and, and growing in my faith, you know, taught me, you know, a lot about, you know, just staying humble and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. And so I just had a lot of fear, a healthy fear in me in the beginning of, of uh, not wanting to disappoint. You know, the Lord, I felt, you know, the spirit of God, the hand of God was on me. I knew I didn't deserve the things that I was getting, you know, at at the moment. I knew it wasn't just me. And uh, I didn't want to, I didn't, if I was wrong, I didn't want to be right. You know, I didn't want to test it out, you know. And so I just Mm. try to stay grounded and humble on on the way up.
0: Well, one of the things that's worked for you, and this is very obvious to me, and just getting to know you, spending a little bit of time with you, but also watching you from afar is you keep it real with your people. And I love how you talk about, you know, personal power versus positional power. You know, I, I believe that people would rather follow a leader with a heart than a leader with a title. And I think people see your heart and I think you're vulnerable and you're authentic. One of the questions I love to ask leaders, especially those who've experienced really high levels of success like you is how has failure shaped your life? And if, if you could take us back to maybe some of the early stage mistakes that you made, What were some of those mistakes? And then what did you do to learn from those things to propel you forward?
1: Yeah, I think I've just learned to develop a a better relationship with failure. You know, failure is necessary to uh, in order to succeed. You really those two things go hand in hand. You don't get to succeed at high levels if you don't fail. Um, But there's there's failures that that are, you know, things that can take you out of the game. And then there's normal failures and mistakes that you can correct. And, and it's part of the process. And, you know, so for me in the beginning, you know, I I remember some failures being, you know, um, the way that I, that I, the the way that I talked, you know, to people, I think I was, you know, I, I had a lot of people, you know, that I can get to go to the next level. Um, I would coach people. Well, we would get people fired up, we would win. And, uh, it wasn't, horrible but but i do things a lot different now you know I lead more with my heart um i i, I talk you know I, I make sure I'm not offending people you know it takes me a lot to really start to get harsh with people where in the beginning you know I think some of the mistakes that I would that that I would make is i treated it you know so much like a locker room I adopted uh my football coaches you know mindset and in the football coach you know they're coaching people you know if you you jump off sides, you know. Drop down and give me twenty. If you're late for practice, you know, you 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 better start running, and I'll let you know when to stop running. And uh, you know, just really direct and to the point, Nick Saban type of of uh, of approach, just tough. And and I realized that I wasn't coaching a football team uh, necessarily, and I wasn't coaching Navy Seals, you know, necessarily. People didn't come here to to play. Uh, football and people didn't come here to be a Navy seal. They came here to get loved on and and for me Mm. to lead them to a better life. And uh, the mistakes that I would make is I think being too hard on, on people too soon. Uh, It was for the right reasons, but you know, John Maxwell always says leadership is disappointing people at a rate that they could stand. Mm. And I think in the beginning, sometimes I would disappoint people at a rate that they couldn't stand. And uh and, and it would it would you know I would turn some folks you know away that now I, I look back on it and I think man, I could have led those people, you know, differently with my heart and and with more patience and probably would have gotten a lot more accomplished. So I remember that being, you know, one of the bigger, you know, mistakes, you know, that I look back on and and have some uh growing pains and had some growing pains through. I didn't have a a, a, a you know, normal mistakes. I didn't make a sale and, and I'd have to learn what I said in that process that could have cost me the sale, what I could have said proactively that would have earned, you know, the the, the trust of that person to get that sale. But for the most part in the beginning, you know, other than that, I didn't make, and I want this to sound horrible, but I didn't make a ton of mistakes and it wasn't because I, I, I was so good. It was because I realized that I wasn't that good. And I listened to my coaches clearly with the most coachability, I think than anyone that they've ever coached, you know, being a hundred percent coachable to people that are really good coaches and really good at what you Mm do prevents you from making a ton of, uh, a ton of mistakes.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate your acknowledgement of some of the mistakes that you did make and you're able to reflect and say, Hey, I could have done these things differently you know, there's a difference between tough love and love and tough. And I think love and tough is, you know, starting with the relationship, right? Really believing in people. And I also think, you know, what you said about having a relationship with failure is so key and obviously has played a huge part in your success. With our team, we say fail fast, fail often, and fail well, which means we're going to fail forward. Um, One of the things that you do really well, and maybe you've learned this through some of the early stage leadership lessons of maybe being too tough on people, But it's very clear to me that you cast vision for people in a radical way. Like you deposit belief in a very intense way. And you quoted John Maxwell, I'll quote him again. He said, people will go farther than they think they can when someone else thinks they can. We have a lot of listeners who are leaders. They're in positions of leadership. What would you say to the leader who wants to deposit more belief, who wants to help people go farther What kind of practical tools or advice would you give them about helping people do that on a regular basis?
1: Yeah, I think first, you know, you have to uh, believe in yourself in order to transfer belief into others. You know, it's really sales. You know, sales is a transfer of belief. So if we're trying to get other people to believe in themselves and think a little bit bigger, sales is a transfer of belief. So that means I have to sell that person on, on thinking bigger or having a bigger vision. And that means my belief has to be, I have to believe in myself and I have to believe in that person. And, and sometimes you'll see the person, uh, for more than what they even see themselves. And, and you have to be able to, you know, again, you know, John Maxwell says, put a 10 on their head, you know, you put a 10 on, on everybody. And so you don't see them for where they are. You see them for who they could be. You, you don't see them for who, where they are right now. You see them for where you can take them. And and uh, I think when you when, when the people see you uh, speak that on their life, you know, there's power mm-hmm. in the spoken word. So it's one thing to believe it. It's another thing to speak it. And, you know, I think to don't hold those feelings in and don't be afraid. You know, sometimes people are afraid to cast big vision, you know, on people, cast that vision on people as long as it's sincere and speak the spoken word, you know, on them about, you know, doing big things, getting them to to believe in themselves and showing them the picture, you know, it's being, it's helping to be an architect with them, Mm. putting it on their mind, putting it on paper of here's the vision that, that, that I see for you. Here's the vision that we have for your life and always constantly pointing to that vision because there's things in the process of, of building the life or building the business or building a home that are going to be setbacks obstacles uh things that frustrate people and and make people want to quit and make people want to give up and sometimes the only thing that'll make a person make the only thing that makes any sense for them to continue to strive and go is if they have a vision for where they're going in a bigger picture otherwise it makes no sense why am i sacrificing today why am i going through these things why am i falling down 7 times i got to get up 8 times well because your vision is is this and and finding out what people want. Uh, and 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 it's that's a real basic one in leadership that I think people miss oftentimes is could you really tell us a hundred percent what your people want, or at least your mm. core group, like what do they mm. want? Have you found out, have you found out what they want? Do you know what it is that they want? And then after you find out what it is that they want, your job is really simple because it's 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 the more you help people get what they want the more you get back what you want in return. So you could just have fun with it. You don't have to worry about getting what you want done. If you just add up what your people want done, usually what they want done is way bigger than what you even needed done or wanted done for yourself. And so if I can just focus on what do they want and how do I help them get what they Mm -hmm. want? And if I can help them get what they want, then everything that we want in, in leadership will, will, will come to pass. And you know, if there's no vision, people perish. Right. Mm. And and so it always starts with 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 a vision. I think that's probably other than building a relationship with people. I think that's the leader's number one job is to constantly cast vision and remind people of where you're taking them, where we're going, where you see them going, um, because the price is going to be heavy. You know, if you want to play at a high level, you got to pay at a high level.
0: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I love what you said about putting a 10 on somebody's head right? We got to believe in people that way. You're seeing them for who they could become, not who they are today. And man, you're, you're doing such a great job of leading your team. And I can, I can see that just from a distance, right? Depositing belief into others. And I think part of your journey has also been about self-awareness. You've referenced being coachable several times now, coachability. And I see that too, in your, in your social media presence, right? You're always talking about young people being coachable, but really all of us being more coachable, right? The beginning of growth and development is, is self awareness and situational awareness. So again, around practical tools or advice, whether it's an emerging leader or you might be speaking Simon to a to an experienced leader, because we're all being coached, right? The the average athlete wants to be left alone. The good athlete, you know, wants to be coached, and the the great athlete wants to be told the the truth. Come and on, so come on. I know, I know, I know. You want the you want the truth, and you want to give other people the truth. So what would you say to the early stage leader and the experienced leader about what it means to be coachable?
1: Well, I think that at the root of, of being coachable is, is humility. And so if people that struggle with their ego, you know, and I think it's normal to have an ego. Um, It's, it's just, you got to make sure that the ego is a healthy ego. I think some of your, you know, you had Jordan, you had a, a Jordan picture behind you, you know, Jordan you know, was, was the all time great, you know, to me, I love watching Jordan and his work ethic and his competitive nature. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Jordan had an ego, you know, a, a, a comp- it's hard to be super competitive and in, in to play at a high level. If you don't have a little bit of an ego, you know, I try to coach them up on, on 51, 49, you know, out of a hundred percent, if your ego is 49% and your humility is 51%, you should be in decent shape. But the minute that that number gets flopped in, in, your, in your 49% humility and 51% uh, percent ego is when you're really going to be uh, headed on a down, downward spiral because your ego's gotten out of control. And I think without humbling yourself, it's difficult to take uh, coaching and receive coaching. And to me, the, the shortcut to getting to where you want to be is being the most coachable you know, person in the room. And, you know, how we talked about Maxwell says that leadership is is disappointing people at a rate that they could stand. And so if I have two people in front of me that I'm trying to coach and I know one person can't really stand to be coached uh, uh, quick enough, I can't really tell them the truth yet. I can't really tell them what they need to hear yet. I'm looking at them and I'm saying, OK, I need to build. You know, it's going to take me six months before I can really tell this guy what he really needs to hear or I got to work on his humility a little bit so I can even get an opening to wait for the right time to coach him up on these things because he's going to get so offended and so pissed off because you know he doesn't take constructive criticism well and if I got another person that they anything goes you know I can tell them mm-hmm. any from the way they dress to, to shave to the way they talk to just like let me hurry up and you know, cut you, you know, in a sense of, of everybody wants to be a diamond. You know, you've heard that, right. Everybody wants to be a diamond. Nobody wants to get cut. And, and in order yeah. to be a diamond, you got to yeah. get cut. And, you know, even to this day, you know, one of my, one of my, you know, I think probably, you know, in my twenties, I had a very uh, significant mentor to change my life in my thirties, you know, I'm, I'm close to 40. Now in my thirties, my mentors is, has been uh, Jim Trussell who, who introduced mm-hmm. me to, uh, John Maxwell and and uh, Jim Trestle was the coach uh, for the Ohio State Buckeyes, you know, from in the two thousands. And, and uh, you know, recently, you know, I, I had a mentorship meeting with, with uh coach. And first thing I said to him is, Hey, I want to let you know that you can, you can beat me. You can smack me. You can, you can tell me. And I, you know, I meant it verbally and physically really, but I wanted him to know, like you can, you can tell me, don't hold no punches. You know, I want you to know that you can beat me up a little bit. Like I need you to, to tell me and check me if I need to be checked and hold me accountable. If I need to be held accountable and tell me what it is that I need to know. And so young people and old people and, and everybody in between, uh, the minute that you stop growing, uh, you start dying, you know, we're either mm. growing or we're dying And in mm. the best way to grow is to receive advice and wisdom from somebody that's further along than mm-hmm. you. You should always be seeking out people bigger and better than you and finding ways to pick their brain. And the more that you invite uh, them to coach you and that they know that you can handle it, the more they're going to give it to you. And that is the shortcut to the process. That's the expedition to the process. It expedites the, the, the process, uh, I meant to say. And, and really, it saves you from making a ton of mistakes. I mean, you're going to mm-hmm. have to make your own mistakes, you're going to have some setbacks and failures but you can really shrink and limit the amount of setbacks and failures. If you're willing to be coachable and listen uh, Mm -hmm. to people and you're going to set yourself ahead because most people are not coachable. Most people think they're coachable. And then there's levels to coachability. You know, there's, there's, you can be a hundred percent coachable. You could be 90% coachable, Mm. 95% coachable, and guess who's the ones that make all the money and the ones that end up having the most success. It's usually the one, the one that is a hundred percent coachable. It's the one that is the most coachable closest mm-hmm. to the copy being coachable is not only implementing what you like being coachable is implementing things that you don't like. That's Come what's on,
0: so good doing the stuff we don't want to do. So good. Say that again. I want I, I want you to say that again.
1: Yeah, being, being being coachable is not about the things that we like. It's about doing the things that we don't like, you know, that our coach is telling us to do. That's the separator. That's the stuff yep. that separates yeah. people. Is my coach is telling me to do this. One person is going to take that and say, all right, I'm going to do all of this, but I ain't going to do that, even though he said to do that. And the other person is going to take it and I'm going I'm to do it all. I'm not taking anything out of that recipe, even the stuff that I don't like, even the stuff that don't taste good, even the stuff that I don't feel like doing. It's, it's often people fall and fail by falling victim to the way that they feel. And if you can only get up when you feel like it and you feel good, you're an amateur and you're never going to raise above an amateur level. If, if you want to play at a professional level and you want to go to the next level, those people get up and go when they don't feel like it. Those people have learned to do things that they don't feel like doing. If Man. you're always falling victim to how you feel and what tastes good to you, you're, 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 you're going to be short of of the dream and the vision and the level that you want to play at. you got to be able to eat your vegetables. you got to be able to do <laughs> the things that don't taste good, feel good for the long haul because that's how you win.
0: Somebody needs to go back and listen to the last five minutes of what you just said. Heavy, heavy note-taking right there. I appreciate your candor on what it means to be coachable. I also appreciate the humility that's inside of you. And if you look at Simon Arias from the outside, you could say, Here's a guy who looks like he jumped out of a GQ magazine, right? He's got muscles. He's good looking. He's a smooth talker. Obviously, he's been very financially successful, but yet you're this big-hearted guy that is really calm and and cool and collected, you know, with people in conversation. And so, you know, what what I see in you is I see a person of faith. Um, I see a person who knows where his giftedness comes from. And I see humility and we talk about faith very openly on the Montgomery Companies podcast. And so uh, one of my final questions for you, Simon, is what role has faith played in your leadership journey and how do you lead in a corporate world through your faith?
1: Yeah, it's, it's uh first of all, thank you for seeing that in me. I'm, tr- I'm trying, you know, I could do better if, if you could see it on the, you know, if anybody watches this on video, it's it's funny that to hear that you're talking about. You know, I'm I'm hoping to to show and genuinely uh, portray humility, but also be someone that my my people that are around me and in in my staff and people that work with me would be able to say the exact same things and not something that I'm just acting like and something mm-hmm. I'm walking mm-hmm. like. Uh, but I got a big old diamond chain on, you know. So, like I love those things don't go together you know you got a big old big old wrapper chain around my neck with diamonds all over it oh this guy's humble it don't look too humble I can't see Maxwell rocking this thing <laughs> Maxwell or trussell you know rocking this thing and those are two humble guys that I'm trying to emulate myself after but I'm from Youngstown Ohio and so you got to cut me some slack you know if you don't know where where that's at it's uh you know you can google it and look it up but you know it's it's a place where they get they they like to wear big gold chains and stuff so I I, I love, that it. that it's I out love of my it. system, but I, I got me a, uh, my consulting company is, is called Cash Money Consulting. So I, this is a marketing piece <laughs> right here is my excuse, is my excuse for rocking the chain. But, you know, I, I think it's the only, uh, you know, you talked about my faith. I think it's the, I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my, for my faith, I wouldn't have been able to to make it this far. First of all, I know, uh, I wouldn't have been able to handle the success at a young age if it wasn't for me standing on the ground solid ground uh of the lord mm. um, I became the go to person in my family and in my business at a really young age quick where I had nobody to cry to, nobody to go to, nobody to you know lean on and and the only thing or person or you know the being that I had was was uh my lord and savior to to lean on and I learned through that um through that journey of being vulnerable uh, where my true strength came from, because every Mm. single time I got carried through it, every single time I got carried out of it and and above it, um, no matter what. And and I knew and I felt it, that it wasn't me. It wasn't Simon Arias. And and so I felt to whom much is given, much is required. And Mm. so once you go through it, you know, once you walk through the door of opportunity, you don't close it behind you. And so I felt obligated as to, you know, why me, you know, why, Mm. why am I here? You know, I had a rough upbringing, you know, a lot of people around me, you know, died and and were murdered. So why me, why am I here? You know, why am I, why is my business, why, to me, it started to become clear of, of uh, you know, I'll get about your work if you get about my work. And Mm. so I started to try to, 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 pass on, you know, what I've learned in my faith to other folks, you know, young people. And, and, you know, I think that's the thing that I'm most proud of, you know, while we're not perfect, you know, you're leading 400 people, you know, you're bound to have somebody in those 400. That's, that's a little wild on a Tuesday, you know, on a random day, 365 days, yeah. 400 people, somebody's going to mess up and wild out. And you know, so there's Simon's person right there. I thought he talked about the spirit and they head butted the windshield or you know, it's like, <laughs> and I got people to do wild things and, and, uh, but I, but I'm serving a lot of people and, yeah. and nobody's perfect, including me. But, you know, one of the things that I'm proud of is, is I got young people. And when I say young, like 20 year olds, 22 year olds, you know, making a ton of money, you know, couple hundred thousand, $500,000 and, and, and they'll get on a screen mm-hmm. and talk about how they're tithing 10% and, and mm-hmm. the impact that that has on, a generation of young people where it's not coming from me. It's coming from another 21 year old, 22 year old. Uh, I'm proud of, you know, we, we are, uh, the staple of what we do is mind, body, spirit, um, mentally, physically, spiritually training. That's in our mission statement. That's in everything that we do. I think if I died, you know, they'd probably put that on my tombstone right now. You know, that's, I preach it so much. And, and so I think it's, uh, it's a huge part of, of what we do it's a huge part of, uh, of the success that I've been able to have personally in business. And I know for a fact, I wouldn't have the success as a father, as a husband, um, as a mentor, you know, I have a couple youth programs. Um, none of the, none of it, none of it. Cause nothing keeps me in check. Um, like just knowing that I'm, that I'm held to a higher standard because of what I read and what I believe and and know that, uh, that I have somebody looking down. On me that is that, that I'm, I'm, I'm held to a higher standard, uh, because to whom much is given much is required. And and so I, there's no way for me personally, you know, I I wouldn't be where we're at. I know we wouldn't be where we're at if it wasn't for the foundation of, of, uh, bringing, bringing the Lord into our workplace. And I hire pastors, you know, we got four pastors that I pay, uh, that's on our payroll that, that Mm. serves our people. They mentor people individually. Uh, they're there for people when they have, you know, hard times. Uh, and that is something that I've tried to do just as a, a small symbol to, to put your money where your mouth is and show uh, mm. how much I, I'm, I'm invested in people developing themselves, you know, spiritually and what I wanted to do for the families of the people that I'm blessed to serve.
0: Well, I think you've done a great job of including faith in your mission and your outward with it, right? You wear faith on your sleeve. And so I just want to commend you on that. I think sometimes in today's America, in the corporate world, especially when you're a public figure, I think it can be challenging at times to do that. Yet the Lord has called us to do that. And uh, I remember I was speaking at a conference several years ago and I got off the stage and one of the executives kind of pulls me aside and he says, hey, man, you got a really bright future and speaking, but you need to know this. If you use words and verbiage like you use, and I think the, use, the, the word I was using was amen. And he said, if you're going to use those words, you know, you're never going to speak at Google. And I just remember thinking, well, then I'll I'll never speak at Google because I am who I am. And while I want to be tactful uh, and to your point, I don't want to shove it down somebody's throat um, to whom much has been given, much is required. Right. And uh, scripture's clear about that. So anyway, so, man, I, I love your spirit. I love how you roll. I love what you stand for what's next for Simon Arias? You know, I mean, it's very obvious to see what you're up to today, but people might not know the things that are in your heart or the things that God is doing, um, in you before he does something with you. So tell us what's, what's next for Simon.
1: What's next for me is I gotta, I gotta, uh, I, I gotta manage the four children that, that, that I've been <laughs> blessed with and, uh, in that whole journey. And, uh, so I'm, I'm having fun, you know, there as a dad, um, Outside of the, the business and my family, I, I got a, a brand new youth program that I just started in Pittsburgh, uh, which is where our main location is at. That has become a home to me. Uh, it's called Steel City Impact. And so I'm just looking forward to growing that thing and, and to helping. we're currently right now in a uh, in a in a part of town that's that's much needed in a school And I I could just, my vision is to 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 just change that whole area, change that whole school. You know, every month there's a shooting or something going on down there, and and uh, to just impact and and impart our culture into that entire school and into that 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 entire area uh, is the vision that I got. And then you know, for our for the business, you know, the there's a number just so because I think if you keep score, it allows you to to have something to fight for and train for as a unit, as a team, to cast vision to it's really not about, you know, the number. It's not about the money, but we're, we're going, we're zoned in right now, uh, to do a hundred million, uh, in business. We just did 30, 30 million this year. So the vision is, is we're on a hundred, a hundred million in business, but the only way that's going to happen is if I can just help a bunch of people, you know, get what it is that, that they want. And so, uh, you know, in, in, in the process of doing that, we're going to try to, to win a bunch of souls, uh, at the same time, I want a bunch of people over to the Lord uh, because I know it's impacted and, and changed my life and at the same time, um, you know if you're gonna impact the whole country, you're gonna impact the nation, you're gonna have people from all different faiths uh, and walks of life and and you know I want those people to know that that they're lo- I love those people right where they're at and and uh, not gonna force them force it down their throat. I'm gonna just do my best to walk it like I talk it and and hopefully inspire some folks. In the process.
0: You're doing just that, man. You're leading by example. You're inspiring a bunch of people and you've inspired me. So thankful that we've been able to share this conversation. I know our audience got a ton of value out of hanging out with you for the last 35 minutes. So where can people find you, Simon? I know where to find you. You're all over YouTube. You're on Instagram. You do a great job with your social media channels, but somebody wants to look up Simon Arias. How do they learn more?
1: Uh, social media. You know, I, I think, uh, which is funny, I was the last one of my friends to get on social media. I was anti social media. Uh, I thought it was a waste of time. And and now I'm I'm uh, probably overwhelming on social media <laughs> to, to people. <laughs> so at Facebook, Instagram, they even got me on TikTok. Um, and and uh, it's, it's Simon Arias. You can usually just look me up, Simon Arias on Instagram, Simon Arias on Facebook. And I think it's something similar to that on on uh, on TikTok. So you could find me on social media I got a podcast called the Grind Cast, the Grind Dash Cast, and uh, where we interview folks and and try to uh, continue to inspire and, and learn with others.
0: We'll be sure to link the podcast and all of your social media handles to the show notes, so if you're listening, you can find out more about Simon. Reach out to this guy if you need a speaker at your next conference. Be a great speaker, amazing man of influence, a great person of faith, and a family man. At the end of the day, that cares deeply for people. So. It's been a blessing, man, to share this conversation with you. God bless you. You have a fan in the southeast corner of the state of Iowa in Jordan Montgomery. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Jordan. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and we just want to say thanks again for tuning in and give a special thanks to Simon Arias for your contribution, your time, and your energy that you invested into our community. As always, we want to say thanks to James Roth and John Cho of Storyline Multimedia for all of the work that they do behind the scenes to make this show go. Also, we would uh, love it if you'd like, subscribe, or share this podcast in an effort to move our mission of impact forward with others. Be well, be great, and have an amazing day.